Republican congressman from Michigan has accused President Trump of impeachable conduct. But keep in mind, to Republicans, impeachable conduct could mean eating a veggie burger. Gwyneth Paltrow hosted a Goop Health Summit over the weekend. Activities included guided meditation, sound bath, and a how-to-make-poor-people-hate-you workshop. A group of 19 Florida college students were robbed at gunpoint while on an outreach trip in South Africa. Sounds like someone is 19 NASCAR iPhone cases richer. The women's retail chain Dress Barn is closing its remaining stores. Customers are hoping to find a new retailer that literally calls them cows. <laughs> OJ Simpson says he's fine with the Buffalo Bills allowing a new player to wear his old number 32. He says he'd just like to send the young player a card if they wouldn't mind giving him his home address. And finally, Walmart announced that it will have to raise prices on its products after the Trump administration adds tariffs on goods imported from China. Walmart customers are now shocked to learn that the $2.99 camouflage tank top with an eagle saluting the flag was not made in America. But we are. The Trump Report starts now. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Yes, welcome to the Trump Report, except no substitutes. This is the Trump Report. I'm Christian Black. Joined by... Chelsea Galicia. And... Scott Moore. Tamara Brown on assignment. (laughs) I don't know what she's been assigned to, but she's on assignment. Uh, A lot of things to talk about. And uh, one of the things that uh, we wanted to spend some time focused on today is uh, sort of the the light, airy subject of Mm -hmm. abortion because there are these these new laws. Uh, The... I was going to say the Georgia one, but actually the Georgia one isn't the newest one. Mm-hmm. We now have the one from Alabama. And, and, uh, and Missouri. And, and Missouri. Is Missouri mm-hmm. since Alabama? I can't even keep. So mm-hmm. there's five states now. Uh, so we've got Georgia, Ohio, Mississippi, Kentucky, and now Alabama. Uh, and then there are laws that severely restrict access to abortion. I actually don't know the specifics. Apparently Utah's on there too. So uh, let's let's – Let's not leave them out of the party. But, you know, the the map that you can see if you're watching on YouTube, courtesy of MSNBC, clearly, uh, is a cluster. It's all together. It's uh, what is that that's not in there? Is that Tennessee? Yep. Tennessee is like, yeah, we can't, you know. But uh, obviously, I don't know the, the specifics of all the laws, but I know that the Alabama one makes no uh, allowances for life of the mother, rape and incest, which usually even your most ardent pro-life advocates usually are willing to maybe they still don't agree with it but they understand that they would have that in there so this law doesn't make that any allowances for that so chelsea uh, this is seems very clear that everybody's wanting you know that there are a lot of these states are looking to have the Supreme Court reevaluate uh, Roe v. Wade? I guess they feel like it's uh, you know constructed a little bit more in their favor. Uh, so talk about. Let's start with the Alabama law because that's uh, the one that's been getting a lot of attention in the last week because of mm-hmm. the fact that those provisions aren't in there. Yeah, it's the most restrictive, I believe, of all the the new laws. And yes, this is happening now because the Supreme Court has been, in essence, reshaped since the Trump. Um, administration got to put in two of its guys, um, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch. And so now the states that have been 
you know, longtime pro-life, which now I have to use air quotes whenever I use that term because I I can't really say it with a, a like a straight face. Like I really believe that they mean that, but not to go too far off on that tangent. Yeah. So now that they see that this is their opportunity to have the Supreme Court overturn Roe v. Wade. So all of this is a concerted effort to to do that because this has been the same drum that they've been beating on for, you know, since 1973, since the law was decided. Right. And we'll talk about some of the specifics of the law in a moment. But the thing that really surprised me, surprises me, it's not any of these states uh, actually passing laws, uh, at least like this. The fact that this one is so restrictive, it's almost like it's asking to not be upheld. It's like if your your point is to have your law upheld and in some way challenge Roe v. Wade, I feel like you would not have something in there that, you know, or you would have an exception for that. So that, that to me was the most surprising part of the story. Right. The laws are written not to be enforced, but in order to attract the attention and that the Supreme Court could not choose to not take it. Because remember, a court, a case can make its way all the way up, right up until the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court has the right to choose to hear the case or not. Right. And so in a, in a case like this that was just so egregiously uh, in defiance of the case law, it, they, they won a case that the Supreme Court almost could not deny to take. Uh, so, Scott, as uh, we talk about all of this, uh, just I guess the same question I have for Chelsea. Were you surprised that uh, this law it was was passed the the way that it was, you know, as restrictive as this? No, I, because I think it was the same thing because, you know, there was some speculation that maybe the, the you know, Governor Ivy wouldn't sign it because she's a, a woman. But, of course, she's very conservative. That was actually in support of Roy Moore actually in running for Senate. But again, going to what Chelsea was saying, the whole point is to try to get it to the Supreme Court. So they're going to go as extreme as they want because they know it's not going to be enforceable. Even if they took out exceptions for rape and incest and other things, they're still no, it's it's technically right now unconstitutional, any of these these type of bans. So the point is to be as extreme as possible and hopefully get it to the Supreme Court as quickly as possible. But like Chelsea says, there you know, there's a good chance they won't. And I, I'm not even sure just looking at the tea leaves, if all the conservatives would actually side with overturning um, this precedence anyway. So I, I think they're, they're, they're hopeful uh, as far as the, the pro-life side, but I don't even know if that would actually even happen anyway. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, which we, we get into more later, but, yeah. What, but what, yeah, that's the whole point. What's so interesting about the way that these cases have, have, or, or these laws have been framed is they've been framed to make sure that they get in front of the Supreme mm-hmm. Court. Right. But in their haste, they have almost set themselves up for failure. Mm-hmm. Because so it's kind of a double edged sword. They're really trying hard to get in front of the Supreme Court, but because of the lengths to which they went to do that in these in the way that these laws were written, right. they are probably undermining, reducing their cool. own chance. Yes. I mean, because they're they're even giving room for for I I would see Kavanaugh or Gorsuch to even say like whoa whoa people like this goes way too far. And <clears throat> if Kavanaugh and Gorsuch do what what conservatives want them to do, which is just to say yay or nay, strike down a, a law or not, as opposed to coming up with a framework. Like in Roe v. Wade, they came up with a framework for when is uh, it a woman's right to choose and when is it not, right? This whole balancing act. Well, 
a, con- a more conservative judge doesn't believe that that's their role. They are just supposed to hear this case and say, is that constitutional or not? Yes or no. That one just is just is just no. Uh, there's 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 not going to be that same uh, explanation or scale or nuance that that Roe v. Wade provided. And these justices are going to to. Uh, as much as some of them, including Thomas in a recent case, tried to say that stare decisis or precedence is not the end-all, be-all, it, it, the, these justices, I believe, will be stuck. They'll have to do something so egregious as to like d- defy legal logic. Right. And I think that also the point you made earlier is that the Supreme Court just could decide just not to hear it. Mm -hmm. So obviously you have to go through a series of appellate courts and, I don't know, circuit courts or whatever to even get to that point. So if they don't hear it, then whatever the highest ruling was that was given is what holds, Mm -hmm. right? Right. So, But but the conservatives are banking on the fact that Trump has now appointed 100 federal judges. And I I don't know how they're spread out through the country. Scott might know better than I would. But they're hoping that there are enough of them in there that the federal levels will uh, will uphold these laws and therefore make it impossible for the Supreme Court not to take it up. Uh, and uh, we did reference that the law was ultimately signed by the female governor of Alabama, but a uh, graphic that's making a lot of the rounds are uh, the, the people who voted for the law to reach the governor's desk, and uh, it's a very uh, diverse group of Alabamans for those watching on YouTube. Uh, some people are bald. Some people have dark <laughs> hair. Some people have lighter hair. Uh, different all, color ties, different, too. Definitely They're different color definitely ties. Different color Although, ties. you know, mostly Shirts. red ties and all. Honestly. One guy is out in nature. Yeah. For yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, that's true. Uh, but uh, all white guys. And uh, obviously it's all guys is really the key. Mm-hmm. But um, so, yeah. And I think that that's, uh, you know, look ardent diehard conservatives uh you know their beliefs on abortion are definitely strongly informed by religion and they they have these whole these long-held beliefs i think other people it's a lot more like this is what i feel but i'm not making decisions for women that i don't know you know they're like this you know if it were if it was my life my situation this is how i would feel but i can't tell someone else what to do even conservatives it's like you know and their thinking is Look, you're gonna you're gonna answer to God at some point right. if 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 what you've done is wrong. But I'm not gonna tell you not to do it, even though I think it's wrong. I think you find that a lot more common than uh, some of uh, what we've been hearing the last week or so. Very interesting that I last week reread Roe v. Wade just so that I would be a, a little bit more refreshed right. on on the the legal logic behind it. And one of the topics that they covered was how far back does this idea of abortion and religion actually go. Right. And the court said not very far that this is not in hasn't always been the religious doctrine until recent times. Right. So the Supreme Court doesn't actually you know in 1973 didn't see it as really tied in with with religion. It was more a uh ideology introduced by the church as distinct from the religion itself well and i think there's there's a couple sides to it it was sort of always kept more private you know back earlier and and women were having it done and you weren't really tracking just like gays and transgender people you know people were not really at the surface so it wasn't something that was really regularly talked about until you know 60 70 years ago as far as a 
as a practice because it, it was more of a private thing. And then once it started to become a more of an issue in the light and with modern medicine and um, people being able to track it more, it became a, a, a bigger thing. Um, but, but to that point, yes, it was never this wedge issue that it became later on. And now that it's back to being again. I mean, it's never really gone away, but now as we've seen because of the Supreme court makeup changing, we've seen this aggressive move in the, you know, banning of abortions, which two fronts of that is one. I don't think it's going to do very well in the courts, but I also don't think it's going to do well in the court of public opinion either, because I think there's going to be a lot of even Republican women that are going to be very turned off by these extreme bans. And, uh, it, it's, I, I think in a lot of ways this is going to backfire for, Republicans and conservatives yeah, are running next year I think, politically as well as in the courts. I think, if anything, it motivated women mm-hmm. in these states mm-hmm. to get involved in politics uh, and to run. And I frankly think that that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, let's talk about the political ramifications of it for a moment. And I think it's one of those things. And it's, look, it's not like the White House has actively taken this on, but it is sort of, you know, the the edict of this administration and these governors and state lawmakers feel like this is a White House that's receptive to this issue. Uh, I I know that this panel might disagree, but things are going fairly well for President Trump popularity-wise right now. When you stir up a hornet's nest on an issue like this, Mm. all of a sudden people are really focused on one issue. And their one issue is something that... Despite all the things that Donald Trump said about abortion when he wasn't running for president, uh, he has uh, come out, you know, against it now. And he uh, I believe he actually attended one of the whatever that event is that they have on the mall in Washington. Uh, I think George W. Bush had called in, but Trump was, I think, the first president to actually attend it. So he's uh, very receptive to these ideas. So if you get attached to that, uh, I think all of a sudden you have people that are much more motivated now, granted, election day is more than a year away, but I do think that you're def- – look, a lot of people don't vote just in general. You know, I, I, I can only imagine if like, if a fraction of the people who never vote were to vote in our elections, like 10 percent of those people who never vote, like what the – you know, what the turnout would suddenly become. Because uh, I don't know, Scott, is the turnout's like – it's like a little bit more than half or it's around half for a presidential election. Yeah. We're not we're not talking about, uh, you know, local elections, state elections, any you know, the runoff elections, any of that stuff. For a presidential election, it's about half. I think that's uh, – and yep. so if that other half, you just get a fraction of them to come mm-hmm. out and this is the issue that motivated them, uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, that's something that will certainly not work in President Trump's favor. Right. And and, and I, I will take a step back by saying I don't agree that he's very popular. He's maybe the most popular he's ever been. That's what I mean. He's he's as but popular as he's been. It's still well below 50 percent. Sure. And he, it doesn't take much. And he's never been able to get too much higher. And and, and that's the thing is is you would think he would be much higher because of the, the state of the economy and everything else going on. But he cannot help himself by continuing to get involved in in issues and things that are unpopular. And um, I think this is something that's not, not only would be affecting him, but you have to think about all the other races for the Senate and, and things are going to be happening next year as well. That might be hinging on this type of stuff and how people are are feeling that they're supporting or against uh, these bans. And and I think that's going to play a big role because you think about, you know, Susan Collins running again in Maine next year. And you think about Doug Jones is going to be running again, for the Senate seat in Alabama next year. And you think about some of the, the things that are going to be very important 
for Democrats as well for taking back the Senate and how that's going to play out next year beyond the presidential level. So um, if, if, if I were Republicans, I'd be very concerned that it could backfire on them. I mean, clearly, obviously, in places like the Deep South and Alabama and Missouri and everything, I don't think, you know, they're going to be worried that all of a sudden the state's not going to go for a Republican presidential candidate. But when you have people that are running on some of those um, uh, below the, the top ticket there, it, it's going it, to it could make the difference. Yeah, of the states we saw on the map, I think Ohio is the one that you feel like they could certainly vote for Democrats. But uh, the other ones, uh, what, what was it? It was uh, Alabama, uh, Missouri, Georgia, mm-hmm. Kentucky. Georgia's uh, close. Arkansas. Yeah, Georgia. And, and 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 even Kentucky, both Mitch McConnell. Not that I think they'll lose, but both Mitch McConnell and Matt Bevin, who's uh actually in, in the primary today for governor for reelection in, in Kentucky, both incredibly unpopular. So, you know, not to say that either one of them are particularly safe. Again, it's Kentucky's a Republican state. Oh my god. But I, Kentucky's had Democratic governors and, and everything. They're they're much like Louisiana. You have a Democratic governor right now. You know, you, you, you do they will vote for Democrats and um yeah, so neither, neither one of them. I think Mitch McConnell's approval rating in Kentucky is like 18%. I mean, wow. it's, it's really bad, yeah. Holy moly. And, and Matt Can Bevin's this be, pretty bad. Or next year be the year no. that he's taken out? Oh my gosh. I don't know if I would be more excited if McConnell was out or Trump was out. That would be a hard... Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think you I think you want the McConnell out <laughs> yeah. as the chaser. I think yeah. that's what you're looking for. Um, we, we referenced it quickly. Uh, I did want to take just a minute or two. What did the decision Roe vs. Wade? Uh, what did what precedent did that put on the books? What did that turn into law? I mean, we've all heard about before Roe v. Wade. People still got abortions. I mean, mm-hmm. the term back alley abortion is because of just the conditions that they would be performed under. And uh, when once you have this federal uh, standard, that definitely changed sort of you know, when and where you could get them. But uh, what what exactly does the uh, the court case say, Chelsea? So there are these three main um, ideas or rights that this case uh, relies on. First of all, that there is a degree of medical privacy. There is no amendment that says your medical information, your medical decisions are yours to be made on your own in private. That is not there in any letter of the law in the Constitution. But judges have long inferred that there are rights to privacy beyond the Fourth Amendment right to privacy where, you know, against illegal search and seizure in different amendments, Ninth and Fourteenth, that that privacy is kind of baked in there. All right. So I mean, imagine you didn't have a right to medical privacy, then maybe maybe your employer would start asking for your medical records before they agreed to hire you to make sure that you are are healthy and fit to their standards. I mean, could you imagine what it would be like if we had no right to medical privacy? So that would be one thing that would be have to be upended, I'd say, if Roe were to be reversed, because that was one of the fundamental rights. Actually, I should be very careful with that word, that term fundamental rights because that has a, a big consequence to that. But it, it is a right that the Supreme Court has identified and upheld repeatedly. The second is a, a woman's own kind of interest in her own dominion and control over her own life and her own body. The Supreme Court recognized that, yes, a woman does have that. A woman doesn't have that to the degree that some people who chant my body, my choice would like. The Supreme Court specifically said that a woman's right of control and dominion over her own body has limitations. So 
I, I, I think that if you are on the left and you are chanting my choice or you're chanting my body, my choice, you're not helping us because you're saying something that the Supreme Court in Roe specifically disagreed with. And then the third right is the right of of the state to to protect um, life, and and those are the three sort of interests that are, are at play that this Roe court figured out this standard upon which, under what circumstances is it okay for a woman to abort, and under which circumstances it is not. So basically it, it, it came up with like a timeline of when is the mother's interest most compelling and when is the state's interest in protecting life uh, more compelling. And so it was this three-pronged approach based on the length of the pregnancy. Right. And obviously in recent years, we've heard the term, uh, I mean, to use the term, but the terminology, uh, late-term abortions, and we have President Trump and other people talking about a procedure uh, where uh, babies are born alive and then the – this is – I'm just paraphrasing what President Trump said. I would have the direct quote if I uh, had it in front of me. But it was basically the idea that the baby can be born alive and then you decide what you want to do with it. And as far as – my understanding is that that's not what a late-term abortion is. A late-term abortion is in the third trimester and it is – I think that that varies by state as to how late you can perform them. Maybe I'm wrong. Yes. Uh, uh, but that, that's my understanding. And often the later that they're performed, it is because of the life of the mother. It would actually be, you know, it would, well, she could die during childbirth. Right. Or, or there is a a condition within the, call it a fetus, baby, whatever. I know that the terminology well, even the, now it, is... It, it, but, yeah, it's, very, it's very tough to figure out what to call it because right. of the fact that, it, you know, it, if if somebody's like, well, life begins at conception, then to them it's, a baby, it's, the, whole, it's yeah. the baby from but, that point on. And, and, the, and the, the late term, what what is usually the reason for a woman to abort is that the, the, the life inside her has a condition that is incompatible with life, meaning that it will die upon birth or shortly thereafter. And so the woman is being spared some of the pain of having to wait out the period of time where she is carrying this this being that is incompatible with life and then therefore having to go through through, through birth in the in the, the normal sense that we would think of. Instead, this allows her to, you know, proactively, you know, d- decide how and, and to have a, a, a medical procedure that is going to make it as comfortable as possible for her. Uh, I may have inarticulately uh, summarized it, but Scott, you're familiar with what I'm talking about. President Trump has uh, said things like this. And I don't know, I guess we live in an age where those sort of things will get challenged by people who already rail against the president. But it seems to have been something that you you know, you, it seems to be something that is widely just sort of believed because he put it out there. You know that there is this practice. Is that real? That's for real. It is widely believed because he said it. You know, widely, well, well, widely, well, you know, in certain circles, well, people that yes. are going to believe people who are inclined to believe him because he said and, and because they are certainly ardent. Uh, we'll just say pro life because mm-hmm. because that's who they are. Uh, yeah. They're inclined to believe it, and they yep. hear it, and like, well, see, this just proves our point, right? And. You know, descriptions of, of abortion procedures, just, you know, gruesome things like that that happen that feed into that. 
Uh, it's really gruesome. Has anybody been there when somebody's like shot and they've got bullets in them and doctors have to go in? Dive well, in, that's you know? what, uh, you know, no. the whole thing is that they should do the same thing when you have to buy a gun. It's like you have to go through the whole you process, should. the waiting period, and walk through people chanting at you saying, you know, you're murderer. Go and, into em- emergency rooms yep, and seeing shot yep. people. And, mm-hmm. I mean... The the parallels mm-hmm. are are just undeniable, and I, I I wish there could be a cohesive policy that would address both. Um, I'm going to come up with something mm-hmm. because I think that there has to be something sensible that this one policy could um, be the basis from which you mm-hmm. have your gun rights and your uh, ab- abortion rights. Um, okay, so sorry, I don't want to take no, us I off wanted track. No, I, yeah, I wanted to, uh, well, we sort of posed a question to Scott that we didn't really let him uh, respond to. Uh, do you feel like, again, it's, why are things like that not being challenged to the level that maybe some people who uh, certainly question the accuracy of uh, one of the parts of the term that I was able to look up while we were talking is uh, President Trump referred to executing babies, which yeah. is exactly what you're going to say mm-hmm. to people who are, you know, going to get caught up. And, you know, look, I mean, if what he says is true and babies are being executed, I think you would have, you know, zero percent of people who are like, well, that well, that's going to be OK. We're no yeah, longer we're, talking it, about abortion. Then. Right. Right. This that's what I mean. That's that's a, that's a completely different. Well, scenario. yes. I mean, it, it, it just goes back to this post factual era where it, it started with social media and people are influenced and people don't vet what they're seeing on social media, which, you know, Trump has been able to go right into that game of, of like social media and being able to say whatever he wants and everyone already knows that he's a liar, but when you say so many things every single day that you don't know when it's truthful or when it's not, you, you'll have that core 25% of people that are going to believe him regardless and think he's right. And are and, and like you were saying, Chelsea, that they're, they're, they're so pro-life that pro-life. yes, that he's going to that he's going to say something, and you're going to be like, sure, absolutely, because of course those Democrats are for you know killing babies because you know. They 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 support abortions and they want everyone to use as birth control. You know, like you could just go on and on and on. So of course, when when he says that, um, because we're in this post factual era, no one's going to ever question it. As far as that core group of people, of course, you have people and on Republicans and especially Republican women that are are very much going to be questioning this and also these bans. And and as as I mentioned earlier, it's it it, it may uh, affect some of these closer elections next year. Besides, you know, the courts, which I don't think. Any of them are going to agree to some of these uh, crazy ones like Alabama. It's just mm. too far. When Pat Robertson says it's gone too far, yeah. <laughs> then, then mean, you know it's gone too far. Are you saying that in a hypothetical or has he said No, he said that. Right? So okay. when he says it's gone too far, you know it's gone too I far. Mean, and this is a man who sells food buckets for the end of the world. You know, I yeah. mean, this is, you know, he's having you plan for uh, uh, for the apocalypse. What were you going to say? And even Trump tweeted that he um, is, you know against abortion except in the cases of, of rape and incest. So he in tacitly said that he thinks well, that these well, laws have and, gone and, too far. And, and the majority of Republicans, even by claiming that they're pro-life, that they're on that side of it, they're all going to pretty much say, except in the cases of rape and incest. Right. And and you have a lot of uh, even conservative Republican women lawmakers that, you know, and that's part of the other thing, too, that's come out, and I've been reading articles about that, about some of these lawmakers that have now come forth and talked about when they were raped and the things that they went through and, and having this vulnerability, a lot of them were Republican uh, female lawmakers. And they said the same thing, like, you know, rape and incest should obviously be included in that, even if they are pro 
life. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just don't, I don't see some of these extreme uh, bands ever, ever seeing live day. And in fact, I think it could backfire spectacularly on on some of these states. Um, if even if it gets to the Supreme Court. Uh, so I was able to find it. It was from last month uh, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, at a rally President Trump described. Uh, this is a quote. Uh, the baby is born. Mm-hmm. The mother meets with the doctor. They take care of the baby. They wrap the baby beautifully. And then the doctor <laughs> and the mother determine whether or not they will execute the baby. <laughs> now, most, like, what, what he's ridiculous. describing is there, I guess there are times where a, a late-term uh, abortion has been unsuccessful and a baby is born, and this is a this is a very small number uh, that has happened. But at the point that a baby is born, it is wrapped in a blanket. This is sort of the explanation that I'm getting very quickly while we're talking, and and, and they do treat it like any other patient at that point. But I think that the way that look, he knows exactly what he's doing, mm-hmm. and I, I I'm not going to allege anything. But uh, you know, do I think that perhaps President Trump has ever in his life written a check that was not a donation to Planned Parenthood but mm-hmm. went to Planned Parenthood, let's just put it that way. Right. I, I, I find it hard to believe that that, that yeah. never happened. And I said that on Twitter too. It's like the... the yeah. The, it's so hypocritical. Yeah. And, um, you know, especially with uh, uh, quite a few, I'm sure, some of these Republican men who voted themselves in Alabama have probably... Watch women thing. start yeah. coming out of the woodwork. It happened yeah. to somebody not mm-hmm. that well, not long, that long ago. It was it was actually somebody who uh, basically uh, made his mistress yeah. go yep. and, and get an abortion because mm-hmm. uh, he got his mistress pregnant, mm-hmm. and that came out. I don't remember exactly uh, who that was, but yeah, I, I do remember either, that story. I, yes, but I mean, um, I, we'll see more of those because that's the thing that's, that's so hypocritical about the whole so, thing. Obviously, this is, uh, you know, this is such a very complex issue and it's very divisive. It comes down to, you know, where an individual feels their belief supersedes that of, you know, another person. Like, obviously, a woman deciding to get an abortion. Yes, there are some that it's it's just like, oh, yeah, I have to you know do that because I got pregnant by somebody I want to. But for many, I'm sure it's a very difficult decision. I can't even imagine having to make that decision. And... I think it's treated as though it's it's being done very casually and, and frivolously, but uh, at the end of the day, it's the the approach that seems to have always made sense for me is, well, I mean, I can have an opinion on it, but I know I you know no matter what I do in my life, I will never have to have an abortion performed on me. So why does my opinion get to matter? I mean, I've heard people say like, well, only let like female lawmakers vote on it. And then of course you have the governor of Alabama who was happy to sign it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it's, there are, are sort of all of these uh, hypotheticals. You have people who feel that, it, you know, they look, they feel wrong. And I think part of being pro-choice is choosing, you know, why I'm going to still have this baby despite this situation or because of my beliefs. Uh, I think that, you sometimes get those pockets of pro-choice people who are angry if anybody's like, hey, I, I, I just believe for me that uh, I, I would still have the baby, you know? And I just mean sort of in the sense of like when you see these debates on cable news when people are yelling at each other. I don't, I don't you know, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Um, so, you know, I look, it, it's like, and, and any individual can feel, anybody in the chat right now watching the archive version, you can feel however you want about any of this. I just think we're trying to reflect that it is a complicated issue and there are a lot of people in the country who feel, you know, either side of this, 
But I think bringing this failed law in front, it's not failed, but bringing a, a flawed law. Flawed, unconstitutional law. Uh, yeah, just, law just flawed, unconstitutional yes. law, not having the exceptions that you usually expect to be associated with it. You know, look, uh, one that makes allowances for rape, incest, life of the mother, that could very well get upheld by a Supreme Court, possibly even this one. But I think once you include that, I, do, I don't understand what that is, you know, that it's, that it's even in there. So um, A play to the base. Yeah. See, look what, how we tried look, to what, do look it. How our, well, that's the other thing that it's like, do you not want it uh, I, 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 that you want it to... to it almost looks like they don't really mean it. They just no, want to be able to say... they want to be able to say they did it. And, but they we brought tried. the world's strongest yes. or the country's right. most so, rigid So vote law. for us because we are, you know, all about pro-life and protecting babies. Except they, and, I mean, when, they, when Georgia went so far as to say that if you conspire to leave the mm-hmm. state to go to another state to have one, mm-hmm. that that is going to be a felony. Like, never in a million Holy years will crap. you ever be able to hold that up. To, to stop interstate travel, yes. you're going to start yes. restricting... I mean, that goes back to, like, yep. the fundamental part of what mm-hmm. it means to be the United States of America. Well, also, what it means to be a free trip. person. Because now you're basically saying you're a ward of the state and you're not allowed to leave if you have residency here to do something that you feel you need to do in another state. And, and all of it is absolutely ridiculous. And... And I hate that it's even an issue because to me, it's not complicated. Yeah. If you don't want to have an abortion, you don't have an abortion. What somebody else chooses to do is their business, and it goes back to any of these social issues. There's a separation of church and state for a reason. You can believe yeah. what you want. No one's forcing you to go and have an abortion. No one's forcing you to get married to somebody of the same sex. No one's forcing – you know, it's like this stuff is absolutely ridiculous, and the fact that we are still 45 years later – Rehashing the same arguments uh, just is 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 asinine because it's not complicated. You do your thing, yeah. and let I mean, other people I, do their I own thing. I am with you, and, and it's I as simple as that. And I I, I would agree ninety nine percent. I do believe that there are a, there's a limit to all rights, right. including the yes. you know the right to bear arms. Yes, you know well, that's what I'm saying. There, there, there's definitely. But what I'm saying is when it comes to certain things that we as a country and citizens turn into issues. Don't need to be. Right. When it comes to abortion, when it comes and, to gay marriage, I, when it I, comes to these social issues. You know, imagine interstate travel. Imagine that, you know, if you, uh, that Nebraska says, we don't like gambling. Mm-hmm. So if you plan to go to Vegas to gamble, you know, you're going to be guilty you, of a you, felony. We're going to seize take, your winnings. Right. You can't take your money back. Yeah. yeah. That is amazing. It, it just, it does go down a slippery slope of where do you stop with certain things and then what states are going to have what rules. And again, overturning Roe v. Wade and making it back to a state thing never works and we saw that with marriage equality we right. see even with marijuana laws things like that it should just be federal we, there are well, certain one things way, that one need way to be the other one you know? i mean mm-hmm. if, if if enough people in the country feel like they want marijuana to be illegal then right. there needs to be something that says that that's the case for all 50 states when you're picking and choosing sort of laws like this i mean i think at this point what feds can still kick in the door for any marijuana mm-hmm. dispensary should they choose to it's just that's not what's happened yet uh th- this is obviously a very complicated divisive issue we will certainly talk more about in the weeks ahead i did want to spend our final few minutes because we did spend most of the show on this talking about a few other things some uh some lighter things uh one involves uh vice president mike pence he gave the commencement address at a christian university called taylor university and let's not play it up to be more than it was dozens of students it wasn't like hundreds of students Mm -hmm. but dozens of students walked out of the graduation ceremony in protest of mike pence 
It being a Christian university is something that surprised me. Uh, I guess that uh, that's their way to turn the other cheek is to just walk out. And it's apparently it was a very coordinated, like they they cleared it with the school. It's like, well, after this hymn, you can all get up and walk out and then come on back in after this second hymn. And then there were people who walked on the stage. He shook people's hands when they graduated. Some chose not to shake his hand. That's within your right. Um, the only reason I, I find the story interesting is because it's a Christian university. And I'll ask you first, Scott, what do you think it is about Mike Pence that Christians are like, yeah, well, I know we go to a Christian university. And look, my college was a Catholic university, but I'm not Catholic. So you might go to a Christian university right. and not no. actually be, you know, born again or right. you know, fundamental in any way. But uh, what do you think this does this say anything to you, or is it just, oh, these, these like, say, 20, 30 kids no, are I, an exception? I, I think there's two things. One is, yes, not everyone's going to subscribe to the same type of evangelical Christianity that Mike Pence does, um, even if they are Christian. So that's one. But I also, I, I and I also think, like, kind of with Pete Buttigieg, you see that being, you can be religious and also be progressive uh, and I think that's something that um, Democrats in general have to be able to take that back and be able to say, yes, you can very easily be religious and still have progressive ideals and beliefs, which in a lot of ways is very Christian when you think about it, like taking mm-hmm. care of immigrants, taking care of others, you know, as a collective society, um, not what uh, the current present day Republicans uh, embrace. So I, I think there's that. And I think there are some Christians that also think, you know, he's he's too extreme. So, um, they're not supportive of him. Um, you know, I joke a lot on Twitter and call him fake Christian, but I do think, you know, when you start telling other people and it, and it, and it goes back to, again, abortion bans and other things, when you start telling people what to do when there's a separation of church and state, um, at the end of the day, you're going to lose that battle because, um, there is a separation and religion is to some degree supposed to be a private endeavor. And, uh, so I think that there's, there's two sides to it with that. Uh, just uh, quickly, Chelsea, before we get one last topic in there, what uh, what did you what did you think about the fact that uh, this happened for Mike Pence? Cool. <laughs> That's all I thought. Yeah. I was like, thought. cool. Yay for those kids um, for standing up. I wanted up. to. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's obviously a bigger story, but in the chat, uh, let's see, Craze Shays X says, "Is a war actually going to happen between the U.S. and Iran? Because I live in Kuwait and I'm worried." Uh, so, in our basically two minutes. Uh, let me ask you first, Chelsea. Uh, how likely do you think uh, an actual war with Iran is? And I'm not t- talking about well, you know just showboating. A declared war by Congress, as mm-hmm. you know, it's proscribed in the Constitution mm-hmm. that it's yeah. supposed to be. I would say zero percent. Um, Trump taking it upon himself to do something illegal and unconstitutional, even though right now the word is that he's trying not to to um, escalate problems with Iran and go to war. I I, I think that that's... I, I don't believe that. I believe that he's just saying it and that he does intend to escalate the conflict. I don't know to all-out war to that degree, but I it, believe he uh, plans to escalate it as a political move. Well, when asked if uh, there was going to be a war with Iran, he said, I hope not. So um pretty sure he could make sure that that happens you know just saying hope not is like well if you really hope not then don't do it uh, uh what do you think scott do you think uh that there will be why don't let me put it a little differently than i did with chelsea how will you characterize your expectation of what action will be taken against iran will it be war will it be something else i think of anything it would be more uh, strategic you know drone type 
strikes or things like that, because um, I don't believe that even Republicans are going to feel the need of being dragged into another war um, unless, you know, Trump tries to do this wag the dog thing because things are getting very extreme. I, I, I just do not see any sense that it's good for anybody, let alone putting our, our, our men and women in danger to begin with for something that's not necessary. But even from the optics of it, of being in these forever wars and, and thinking that it's going to be a good move for uh, for him at all is is beyond me of, of how that's going to help at all. In Unfortunately, any... he also knows that war tends to galvanize the country in support of the yeah. president. And he even tweeted himself mm-hmm. that Obama was going right. to start a war with Iran in order to get elected. Um, no, I wouldn't hold anything past him. I just I, I think we're in a different time where people are, are a lot more aware of what's going on. And unless there's a drastic reason why we're doing that, that the majority of the country is not going to be behind him. And it's not going to be, again, like these abortion laws, it's not going to work in his favor um, it, it, because people do not want to be sending people into war for ridiculous reasons. And like you said, with Congress, 0% that they're going to authorize a war. It's not going to happen. Well, I think that's one of many stories that uh, we need to uh, keep our eyes on in the weeks ahead. And of course, uh, another will be uh, impossible movement on the impeachment yep. clock. See I, my impeachment clock? I, I told you when you the ne- Mueller never, report came out, I you, said You never unplugged the paused, impeachment clock. But when the Mueller report came back out again, once we saw after the bar, even with the bar summary, I was like, eh, we don't know yet. I said the clock's probably going to start again because there's too many things and now we see all this obstruction. All obstruction this 2. happening 0. in broad daylight. So, so, yeah, I think it's back on the table again. We yep. will talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We will talk all about that uh, next week when we will be here at uh, 4 Pacific, 7 Eastern. But until then, Chelsea, where do people find you? At Chelsea Galicia. And Scott. And you can find me at SMAN80. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ChristianDMZ. And tonight at 9 Pacific on the Chernobyl After Show here at AfterBuzz TV, the... Uh, it's a, an HBO miniseries that's the opposite of fun, but really well made. So uh, check out that show and our after show. Uh, but until next Tuesday, have a good one. Bye. Bye. Founder Kevin Undergaro and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal. 